You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Jen Wendell does such a wonderful job with our uh, social media, and she does all the, uh, many of the Facebook posts and so forth, and uh, so she was asking me for, well, she asked two questions today. She said, first thing she asked was, number one, she said, who's preaching tonight, uh, and what's the message? Something to that effect. So I was, uh, I just said, me, dot, 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 the Antichrist. Second Thessalonians, uh, chapter two, and 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 I wished I wished I I should have just had you show because it, it would have been funny because then she sent a graphic that was the title was me dot 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 the Antichrist, uh, and I'm like no it's not me uh, promise. Uh, <laughs> so we are going to talk about uh, we're not going to talk about me we're going to talk about the Antichrist tonight, but before we do I just. I do want to encourage you, as as I mentioned, we have a baptism coming up uh, on July 2nd. And if you have been saved and have not yet followed the Lord in uh, baptism, then uh, I would love to visit with you about uh, following the Lord in baptism. I I believe we have a number of people. And if you know somebody, somebody, uh, a friend or family, that that probably needs maybe a little bit of encouragement, but uh, just to follow the Lord in that step. But it's always an exciting time. Uh, we don't get baptized to get saved, but why do we get baptized anyway? It's Wednesday night. Let's just talk a little bit. Uh, Blake. Amen. The outward expression of what happened in your heart, the outward expression of an inward reality. Uh, anybody else or somebody else going to say that one? Amen. That's a good one. Jesus said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Jesus said, for sure. Um, that's right. Uh, yeah, Christian. That's right. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, so therefore it's a public uh, profession, a public display of that faith. Uh, I've, I've known people, I've had people even talk to me sometimes and say, you know what, Pastor, I think my family would be really upset if I got baptized. Could, w- do you think it would be okay if we did it secretly? And, you know, that just kind of defeats the, the purpose of it there. And so, uh, and, and I know it can be a challenge because... Uh, you know, it's, it's not an uncommon thing for family to have difficulty with some of those things. But anyway, uh, so yeah, but if you haven't followed the Lord in baptism, you ought to really uh, do that. And uh, it's not going to be some second blessing of the Holy Ghost. And you may or may not get chills depending on the temperature and the weather. Uh, none of those things matter. Uh, that's not what it's about. It's literally a step of obedience in, uh, in your Christian life. And so uh, please consider that if you have not done so yet. All right, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. When I say Antichrist, what do you say? Word association. Antichrist, what comes to mind? Satan. Bad guy, mean guy, is that what I heard? Okay, what's some others I didn't hear? The beast. The beast. What would you say, Nicole? It was a barb? Okay, okay. Okay. All right, uh, the Antichrist, what comes to mind? Armageddon, Blake, Armageddon, okay, Armageddon. People who think, you think they're the Antichrist, like, like people think it might be the Pope, people 
Yeah. Or Trump. Uh, one of the better arguments I heard on those lines, uh, interestingly enough. Uh, but uh, just saying, bringing peace to Jerusalem, bringing people together. Now that kind of loses it there, but uh, bringing certain people together. But anyway, uh, but that's right. But people, people speculating on who is the Antichrist, right? Um, and uh, but but the Bible does have a lot to say about the Antichrist, and that's that's the general term that we always use. Uh, Doria mentioned one of his other titles, Beast, uh, the Beast. By the way, that's in the book of Revelation where he's called the Beast. Um, how, how is the Lamb, or what is Jesus referred to throughout the book of Revelation? I kind of let it out there. The Lamb. Isn't God poetic in that? Th throughout the book of uh, Revelation, He continually refers to the Lamb. And who's the Lamb having to fight? The Beast. The dragon, I mean, uh, but the lamb continues to prevail, right? And so it's just a beautiful picture there that God gives throughout the, the book of Revelation. Anybody know any other titles of the Antichrist? Liar, deceiver, Apollyon, son of perdition, Abaddon, okay, um, yeah, so there's a few different names for the Antichrist. Um, could the Antichrist be alive today? Sure he could. Uh, and again, now, I, I want to also understand, and, and because there's, there might be some people sitting there today thinking, good night, you're talking about the Antichrist. I don't know anything about the Antichrist. I know some, maybe something I've seen on a scary movie or read in a book or whatever, um, you know, what is all this stuff about the Antichrist? Well, I'm going to try to do my best to answer that tonight. But the Antichrist is a biblical figure that arises uh, from time to time. And I'll, I'll, I'll try to get to the Antichrist here. Uh, and, and probably tonight, I'll do the best that I can, but I'll probably just have to say some introductory things about the Antichrist. But what we're looking at here in 2 Thessalonians, look at chapter 2, as I mentioned before. And I want to just start, ah, let's just start in verse 1. The Bible says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. And I'll just pause right there. If you remember last week, it, it appears that someone had told the Thessalonians, the people of Thessalonica, the church at Thessalonica, that the reason they were experiencing the tribulation and the trials they were experiencing, uh, that they were going through the hard times, is because indeed uh, the, 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 the seven years of tribulation, what we often call the, the apocalypse, uh, it's kind of a, a little bit of a misnomer, really, when you think about the apocalypse, but what is often considered the apocalypse, they thought that, that the day of the Lord was coming. They thought they were in the midst of this judgment. Paul had already communicated with them, written in 1 Thessalonians, some things about the, the coming of the Lord as far as the rapture of the church, but then in 2 Thessalonians, the things he's telling them, he says, I told you, I also told you this when I was with you. But someone has come in, and let me tell you something. There's a lot of people out there that are teaching, preaching things that are contrary to the Bible. 
But you know what they do? That you know what they use to preach and teach contrary to the Bible? The Bible. So it can be real tricky. Let me just tell you something right now. Just because somebody's quoting a verse, uh, a passage of verses, and just sound all you know uh, amazing, does not mean this person's of God. If you go back, you know. Uh, was this, was this Blake? Was you sharing this with me? I can't remember. Somebody was sharing this with me not long ago. It was a Treyu. I think he preached about it. But it was about how that Satan, Satan, when he was tempting Jesus Christ, what was, what was Satan's tool to tempt the Savior? The Word of God. So what you really got to be careful about is, number one, falling into the deception of Satan as far as, because let me tell you something. You can find somebody out there using a Bible verse to justify about anything in this world. Which is to say, if you, it's easy if you're not careful to follow your own desires and just start searching people that seem to go along with your desires. And you can find people that will condone anything and everything. And they'll use the Bible to do it. Now, but the problem, how, how, how can they do that? What are they doing in order to use the Bible to teach things that aren't true? They're perverting it, which is twisting it. Somebody said taking it out of context, Blake. Taking it out of context. That's right. And that's one of the reasons why when, you, when we preach and teach out of the Word of God, we want to get the true meaning. You know, we want to go... Uh, we want to go through the verses. We want to get the context. We want to understand the context of, uh, of the whole redemption story. We want to under, understand, you know, the Bible talks about rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, and which just simply means that understanding how God has different people groups, different times divided, all of those things that help us. But this, this group of people, and interestingly enough, so many of the churches in the New Testament we're dealing with people coming in teaching false doctrine. But we can know sound doctrine. But it's one of the reasons why I try to encourage and tell you, number one, you've got to be careful of any, any, somebody, anybody, that has some special revelation that you can't get and you don't have. And it only comes through them. Big red X mark on there. Easy. You're done with that one. You know, I've got this new revelation. Read it in my latest book. Um, you know, whatever it is, right? So you know that. If, if, it's, if it's I'm the only one, but also if it's just someone saying, don't question me about it, just take my word for it. You know, that's a, that, that can be, that's, a, that's a toxic form of leadership anyway, especially spiritually speaking. You ought to be able to be willing to answer. But it's one of the reasons why I always will say, by the grace of God, you have a Bible. I want you to study it. I want you to read it. I want you to learn it. I, and when, when I preach and teach something, I don't want you to go off saying, well, that's what we believe. Well, that, that's not a good reason to believe something because I said it. Uh, study it out for yourself. And, and I, I try to do a good job to go through these verses and show you the compelling argument. But still, I want you to consider it for yourself. And you, you have the Holy Spirit of God living with inside you. And He can guide us and He will guide us into all truth. So, there again... These people were being influenced by people that were coming in with false teaching. But he said, you know, don't, let, don't be shaken. Don't be troubled. And then verse 3 says, let no man deceive you by any, man, any means. So there's two things that he's telling him that we're going to, you know, discuss a little bit tonight. First one I'm just going to mention because we discussed it last time. Before the day of the Lord, as far as 
the, 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 the seven years of tribulation that, that end in Armageddon and the Lord's return to the earth to judge the earth, before that happens, the first thing he said that we covered last week, barely, but we covered it, is that there will be a rapture. And that's why he says there in verse 1, I beseech you, the, the basis of my conversation to you is by the coming of the Lord Jesus and our gathering together unto him. And then the second thing he goes, starts going into is this, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. The son of perdition, we just heard a few of those, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Verse 8, and that goes back to the, the conversation on the rapture. Verse 8, and then shall that wicked, notice the capital W there, be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And I'm going to pause right there and just deal with what we're able to deal with in the time that we have this evening. Uh, when we think about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, I, this is where I go a lot, and I realize that. But what I try, to, uh, try not to assume, when I'm talking about the rapture, the second coming, the Antichrist, I try not to ever assume, well, re really when I'm talking about anything out of the Bible, I do my best not to assume that everybody I'm talking to just knows this stuff. I think that's a detrimental thing that preachers and teachers do. You know, they'll get up, well, well, and y'all know this. It's like, well, d do they really know it? Um, but so I, so I remind you of this in terms of the second coming because I think it helps people relate. Because most people you know are very, very familiar with the first advent of Christ or the first coming of Christ. And, and, and that's why I like to start there a lot of times. Do you believe Jesus came the first time? Well, of course I do. And, and if you're familiar with Christmas at all, you know, you hear enough, oh, well, that, wasn't that told a long time ago that he was going to come? It sure was. Wasn't it told he was going to be born in Bethlehem? It sure was. It was told he was going to come the first time. But what you need to understand is in the same text, it says also he's going to come the second time. He's coming the first time. You know, the Bible says, for unto us a child is born, Bethlehem. Unto us a son is given, John 3, 16, that's the cross. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Unto us a child is born, that's Bethlehem. Unto us a son is given, that's Calvary. Comma. And the government shall be on His shoulders. Whoa. Well, where did that happen at? It hasn't happened yet. And He shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, 
the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, you know, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and, and, and of the rule and of the increase of His government, His kingdom, there shall be no end. Well, where's all that at? Hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. And the reason many haven't been taught that is because they go into this false doctrine that goes all the way back to the first century. They dealt with it in Colossians that basically... They look at Scripture as an allegory, but what some churches do, they don't look at all Scripture as just an allegory, but they sure look at, look at Revelation as an allegory. But the problem is, is it's not just the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation just kind of opens up what has been promised throughout from the Old Testament into the New Testament, and it, it, it leads to, the, to uh, what we see. And that's why I talked about the misnomer a little bit of the apocalypse. The apocalypse sounds scary. Because our understanding of the apocalypse is pretty scary. But what does the apocalypse mean? It means the unveiling, the revealing. So ultimately, the apocalypse is about the unveiling of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So the apocalypse is actually an exciting thing because it's where it's going. But of course, we understand that it's lost that, that meaning. But that's why I say it's a misnomer a little bit. But it's about the revealing, the, 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 the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is a crucial component of Scripture. It brings the whole story of the Bible, of redemption, to its God-ordained consummation. Redemptive history will end with the same precision and exactness with which it began. In the Old Testament, there's repeated mention of an earthly kingdom ruled by the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior, who will reign on this earth. Just like He was born in this earth, the Bible says He will return to this earth and reign on this earth. In the New Testament, these features are clarified and, expa and expanded. The king was rejected and executed, but he promised to come back in glory bringing judgment, resurrection, and His kingdom for all who believed. Israel's promised kingdom will be enjoyed with the Lord Savior reigning on the throne in the renewed earth, exercising power over the whole world, having taken back His rightful authority, and receiving due honor and worship. So the Lord is coming again. I've got to emphasize that. So before the end comes, there will be a rapture. We've already said that. Before the end comes, there will be an antichrist. Now, uh, you may or may not have noticed, I hope you noticed, but we never read the word antichrist in these verses. We read wicked, man of sin, son of perdition, because Paul never used the term antichrist. It just so happens to be the term that, that folks begin to adopt uh, to... You know, it's much like Satan. Satan has more than just the name Satan, but we generally just refer to him as Satan. And it's, it's similar to the Antichrist. Paul didn't call him the Antichrist, but this term is used in the New Testament only by John. He uses it in, second, uh, in 1 John chapter 2, as well as chapter 4 and 2 John verse 7. But this is the name that we use to identify the last great world dictator whom Paul designated as that man of sin, the son of perdition, that wicked. 
So we know that one thing we know about this man is he's going to be the last great world dictator, the last great world leader. Now he's not going to come on the scene as few dictators come on the scene saying, hey, I'm going to be in charge of everything and make everybody's lives miserable. They usually come on the scene as the answer to everybody's problems, right? And, uh, and oftentimes there's been even some throughout the years that have created problems so that they could be now the answer to that problem, right? Uh, that's a, a common thing that we see today. It's like some of the things we've seen going in our country sometimes. They'll be like, how stupid are these people? I'll say, well, I'm worried about how stupid these people are, but I, I'm, I may be more worried about how wise they are. Because uh, th there's some of this that may actually have some rhyme and reason after all. But regardless, Satan has been at war with God ever since he... And by the way, what was Satan's name before he fell? Lucifer, that's right. And what's that word Lucifer mean? Yeah, he's the light bearer, the, the, the son of the morning. He's, he, he's the one who bears the light. He rebelled against God and tried to capture God's throne. I'm wanting to emphasize the Antichrist here, but I want to refer you to these verses if you would look them up. Where do we find that Satan fell? Where is that even at in the Bible? Yeah, that's right, Ezekiel. There's one passage in Ezekiel. Uh, Isaiah's the other one. Is that what you want to say, Blake? That's, uh, Jesus said that in the Gospels, yeah, that he saw Satan fall as lightning, yeah. Um, but, but so, yeah, that's, that's right. And so Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. So I, I want you to... if. I don't want you to go around saying, yep, Satan fell, and not really have an idea of where that even talks about that at, okay? So uh, Isaiah 12, and then Dory mentioned Ezekiel, but I didn't put the Ezekiel reference down here. Um, maybe somebody could holler that one out when they get it. But he tried to capture uh, God's throne. And by the way, it is interesting that Jesus said, I beheld Satan falling. Understand that, uh, where does the world often think that Satan is? Hell. Is there any truth to that? The answer is there's zero truth. How do we know there's no truth to that? What is it? <laughs> Have you looked at this earth? Okay. Uh, uh, another reason. How do we know that Satan is not in hell like he, he was on Bugs Bunny? Blake. Anybody remember that? I, that's, I mean, I just the, the red and he had the pitchfork and everything. Yosemite Sam would go down there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Blake. Hell's where he's going to be. Where do we find that out at? I heard Revelation. And that's right. The Bible says that eventually Satan will be thrown into the lake of fire. But in the meantime, Satan sure wasn't in hell when he was in the wilderness tempting Christ. You know? And, and the Bible even calls Satan the God, lowercase g, of this world, of this world system that we're in. Folks, what, we, what, what happened, when, when, when Adam gave up his, his rule and reign, which was our rule and reign, you talk about dad messing up, man. Um, when he did that, he forfeited his ownership and Satan took over uh, to, in this world. Now, he, he's on a leash. He can only do so much. But this world, uh, he, he's being restrained by the working of the Holy Spirit in the church that we're not going to be able to get to tonight. But... That, that's right. I mean, so Satan is not in hell. He was, he, when he tempted, guard, he tempted Eve in the garden through her, uh, th then that caused Adam to fall in Genesis 3. 
In Genesis 3.15, God declared war on Satan and his family or his seed and promised the coming of the Redeemer who would finally and completely defeat Satan. The Greek prefix anti, the antichrist. What do you think of when you hear anti? Against. Uh, against or opposite, but against. But it, it does have two meanings. One is against because he is against Christ. But the other one is also instead of, instead of. So Satan not only opposes Christ, but he wants to be worshipped and obeyed instead of Christ. Satan has always wanted to be worshipped and served as God. You go back to Isaiah 14, you see that. Satan has by and large had to settle for idol worship. When you worship an idol, you're not really worshiping an idol. There's demons that are associated with every idol that receive the worship. So whatever idols are being worshipped, so Satan has had to settle for some of that. Satan has had to settle for deceit, you know, even putting a Christian label on some of his works in order to deceive people and lead people astray. Satanism is, uh, you know, last I heard and read, Satanism is a fairly uh, rapidly growing religion in our country. So there are people who outright worship him, but it's usually been under, you know, a little bit deceitful. But boy, is it getting more and more uh, apparent. Uh, you know, I, I, I say to parents, man, pay attention to what your kids are watching. Honestly. Uh, I mean, it's just crazy some of the stuff you see. I, I remember I was, uh, uh, just something was on, and I saw, uh, I saw an ad, is it, uh, was it Monster High or something like that? I can't remember. Now, I don't, I don't know nothing about the show, but I just know the pentagrams and all the, the cultic, and I mean, I'm talking about like out-and-out out satanic symbolism on there. Uh, and I know somebody's maybe sitting there now saying, I, well, it's just a cartoon preacher. Uh, you know, yeah, and I don't know anything about it. I really don't. All I know is that there's plenty of uh, satanic and cult things that aren't hidden anywhere. You remember, you remember the subliminal message days, Dan? Yeah. You know, so, I, I was too young for this, and I can't say that about many things. But I want, is there anybody in here, I, I can imagine Ralph went to one of these, where you went to a meeting and the preacher played the record backwards? You ever go to one of those? That used to be a thing, you know, because you know, there's subliminal messages. There's things in there. E even some of the kids' films from back in the, the 80s, 90s, and whatever, you know, there's subliminal messages. Look, if you look real close, and, well, you don't have to look real close today, right? You don't, have to, you don't have to look real, you don't have to play the record backwards anymore. Just play it forwards and listen to what it's saying. <laughs> and it's not a record anymore, you know, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, and that's not with everything, but I'm just saying it's amazing to me some of the out-and-out -out, uh, occultism and things that are in our world today. Um, but so, so Satan is, is, is trying to not only be against God, but instead of God. He will one day produce his masterpiece, the Antichrist, who will cause the world to worship Satan and believe Satan's lies. It, when, when the Holy Spirit of God gets out of the way and the church is taken out of the way and God, God gives the world what they've been wanting, the, the cords and the bands are cast and cut asunder, that's when finally 
Satan is going to have his Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to have his false prophet. And so, finally, something Satan's been working for all these years is he's going to be able to have a trinity. Now, it's not a true, it's not a, it's not a triune God. God is one. Satan, it's, Satan can't be like God. Satan's not triune. But he's going to try to have a perversion of that. And that's the thing about what Satan does. Satan, it's not always about denying the Scripture. He's just as content, if not more, that more content to pervert the Scripture. Twists the scripture, change the scripture. But he's going to have Satan, Antichrist, false prophet, he'll have his own little uh, unholy trinity. Now, Paul says he'd, he'd explain this to the believers in Thessalonica so that they would be, be, be understanding this, but it's interesting. He would have no doubt been able to go back to the Old Testament and go through many of the things that Daniel had to say to these people. With, uh, with the little bit that i got left, I'll tell you a couple things about the Antichrist. Look in Revelation 6 with me real quickly. Revelation 6, and these, these may get up on the board there. Man, I love the convenience of having the Bible on my phone, and I love the convenience of slapping those verses up on the screens there. But, uh, but boy, there really is something about knowing your Bible and turning them pages and, and, and knowing that you have that. You don't know where it's, you don't know the, the exact reference, Dan, but you know it's on the left-hand side on the right, highlighted right there somewhere, you know, and there's something uh, that, that I believe we're, that this next generation may be missing. Uh, that's just, there's something powerful about those pages. But anyway, uh, Revelation 6, 1 and 2, the Bible just sim simply says, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it was, were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm not sick. It's Ryan. And that Lysol's probably got your immunity down, and it's probably why you're sick. Uh, all this hand washing and sanitizing business. Um, but notice this. He went forth conquering and to conquer. He went forth conquering and to conquer. Um, so what we see being described in these verses is... Um, well, let's see here. I lost my place. All right. Uh, this is the first of the first seal. This is the first of the seal judgments. This is the first horseman of the four horsemen. And I'm sorry, I just... I told you before, and I, I just can't help it. Uh, I was when I found out there were four horsemen in the Bible, I couldn't believe it, because I knew Ole and Arn, and you know the four horsemen of wrestling, you know. And uh, anyway, but uh, but this is the first four horsemen, and it ain't Ole Anderson, all right? It's it's it's, it's the Antichrist. It's a picture of the Antichrist. Interesting, isn't it? He's coming out on a white horse. Well, that sounds familiar. I know somebody else that's going to be coming on a white horse someday. It's Jesus Christ in Revelation 19. But now we've got the Antichrist coming out on a white horse. It's interesting. What does he have? He has... <laughs> I keep flipping my paper over the wrong way. Uh, he, he has... Uh, for one thing, we find out that he has a bow, but he don't have any arrows. He's got a crown that was given unto him. This isn't, a, uh, this isn't, the, kind of, this isn't the same kind of crown that Jesus is going to wear, but this is the, the crown that was given unto him. Now, but notice this. He had a crown given. 
He had a bow with no arrows, yet he went forth conquering and to conquer. In other words, this man is going to be a brilliant and at first peaceful political leader who's able to unite the world. Now, again, this, and, and this seal, this is going to be the mark and the beginning of the seven years, right? When the, the Antichrist is revealed. So when we think about the Antichrist, that's why I say Jesus comes back for the church, the rapture of the church, seven years prior to His return to the earth to rule and to reign. Therefore, if we do believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ, hey, by the way, isn't it sad all the cults and people that have perverted this teaching? Where'd that all come from? It's Satan's business, man. It's Satan twisting stuff. And then when people of a sound mind with the rightly divided word of God being proclaimed soundly and truly, get up and say one thing about the Lord is coming again. So much of the world has been programmed to say, cuckoo, cuckoo. Am I right? They're nuts. <laughs> um, but, but, but they've been programmed that way because there's been a bunch of, I want to say a bunch of nuts, but it's, I'll say nut leaders that have deceived vulnerable people very, very sadly with this stuff about the, the Lord coming again or the end of the world or whatever it is. But folks, I'm telling you on the authority of God's word, just as Jesus came the first time, he's coming the second time. And I'm just trying to make the point, if we believe that he could come at any moment, we have to believe that the Antichrist is ruling today. We have to believe that he's in power today. Now please, if, if, if your interest gets piqued on the Antichrist and you go Google and start watching YouTube videos on this stuff, I'm not saying there's not some folks out there that's got some good teaching and preaching on it because there's plenty. But there's plenty more that, because uh, if you're not careful, we say, whoa, 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 preacher, now you've really got my interest now. These Bible verses and stuff, that's fine, but there's something more exciting than that. You said this guy's alive. Now, I don't know if he's alive or not because I don't know if Jesus is coming tomorrow or next week or whenever. I don't know. But I'm saying I believe he is. Because what I'm saying is, if you're not careful, you can go find out who it is. Now, there's a problem with finding out who it is. Don't nobody know who it is. So if somebody's telling you who it is, they're lying. Now, they might sound real smart, and they'll take you to Daniel, and they'll take you to Hezekiah, and they'll take you to whatever Kant is that was up on the thing tonight. And they'll go all over the place, and, and, and they'll be able to show you and reveal to you why indeed. It is Christy Nome. I can now just see that going out, right? Talk about people taking verses out of context. Now, he said Christy Nome's Antichrist. I don't believe that at all. But I'm just saying, that I'm, I, I guarantee you there's somebody out there that could probably prove to you they can do the numbers. She was born on this date. And if you add up those numbers and, 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 and then, then she got into office on this date. And if you add those numbers up, it comes out. Well, after it goes to Lakota numerology, then you translate it back again, and guess what it comes out to? Six, six, six. You know, I, I'm, I'm being facetious here, but I'm telling you, people get drawn into that stuff. People get drawn into that stuff. Don't waste your time. You say, well, that's more important than studying about the 70 weeks of Daniel. I don't know what that is. 
Uh, but, but, but tell me about some crazy other stuff, you know. Tell me about, you know, the bunion on, on the, the Nebuchadnezzar's image's left toe, left big toe, you know, and all that stuff. I mean, there's people with all these things. I, uh, but I'm just saying that he is uh, indeed going to be in power. But he's going to, be, he's going to gain his power through peace um, initially. He goes forth conquer, to conquer peacefully. He's a diplomat. He has a bow but no arrows. He will bring a brief uh, time of peace to the world. We find that in 1 Thessalonians 5. Before the storm of the day of the Lord comes. He's a protector. Uh, man, I have to give these to you quickly because I, I won't be able to do them justice if I start. But I wish you'd go look a little bit about Daniel 9. Hey, and you know what else? If you don't do anything else, if, you, if you're interested in studying more about this between next week, between this week and next week, I'm being as serious as I can be, uh, and, and I didn't ask Doria for permission on this, but I believe Doria can maybe email you her, her section of her study on the Antichrist. Could you do that for people? Okay, you looked reluctant. Okay, uh, so, so, but I don't, because I don't know her format and all that. Maybe it's not just so easy. It's like, oh yeah, bam, bam, I'll just copy, paste, send it over. But, uh, so, so maybe ask her if that's okay. But, but I'm just saying, okay. Uh, so, so she said she'd give me copies. But, but that way, if you want to read further on it between here and now, because I want to encourage you to read Daniel 9, 24. And that's why I say the protector, Daniel 9, uh, Four, or 924 just because he initially makes a, a covenant with the Jews in Daniel 9 where do we get the idea of this seven years a tribulation business where does that number seven come from well it comes clearly from the book of Daniel chapter number nine and uh, you know a, a period of 490 there was a period of 490 years that was promised divided into sevens and the interesting thing is 483 years of those 490 years, has been per, per, uh, precisely fulfilled. Precisely fulfilled. But there remains seven years of the 490 that was promised. So, and, and I don't have time to talk about that tonight, but I may be able to talk about it next week. But, but again, my notes don't go into as much depth as, as Dory's do because I'm trying to cover some ground here. But, but basically, the protector, as in he's going to make a covenant with Israel. He's going to make a covenant with Israel. He's actually going to bring peace to the Middle East for um, a very brief period. But he's going to make a covenant. But he goes from being the protector to the peace breaker because after three and a half years, he breaks his covenant with the Jews and he begins to reveal his true colors. He, he um, just as was prophesied in Daniel, Jesus said in Matthew 24, he spoke of the abomination of desolation. And he's going to desecrate I didn't mention this because, again, I'm trying to just give you the uh, uh, overview, but it's really interesting that one of the things that the Antichrist is going to do with this, with this whole peace treaty of Israel, it's going to be legit enough to where Israel is able to rebuild their temple. Israel is going to be able to rebuild their temple. There's a, there's a problem with that today, isn't there? Anybody know something that's kind of in the way of building that temple if they're going to build it on the exact spot where it was? Yeah, it's called the Dome of the Rock, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's called that, uh, that, that it's under Muslim control. How in the world is this guy going to get the Muslims to, to agree? And, of course, there, there's answers for all this, or at least speculations for all this. But he's going to. But another thing that's interesting, that is, is, and it's awesome, 
Right now, uh, and I can't remember the exact name of the group, but folks, they have, they have the cornerstone for the temple. They have the furniture for the temple. They have the priestly garments for the high priest. They have everything ready to go. So that the moment the Antichrist says, okay, nope, we're making way, start building, they're going to start constructing, and they're actually going to rebuild the temple. I'm telling you, folks, to, to many of us, it doesn't seem that like that big of a deal, but I just can't help but think about it every time when you look at it over the last 2,000 years, Israel was almost insignificant up until about, you know, what, 100 years ago or so because there wasn't a nation, right? It was just a, a people group that was scattered around the world. They were insignificant. But all of a sudden, you get to, you know, uh, you know World War II especially, you get to 1948, you get into the 1960s, uh, and all of a sudden it's interesting how this tiny little country, I mean, folks, it's tiny. Why does it matter so much? There's a lot going on in a whole lot bigger countries, and there's a whole lot more going on in a bunch of other countries in the world. You don't hear about that. Why? Because it's not as important, but for some reason this is important. What's going on in Israel? So God's attention, the world's attention has gone more and more back to Israel. And I'm telling you, do not underestimate the significance of the, the U.S. Embassy being moved to Jerusalem under the, under the Trump administration. That was huge. Because all of these are steps that are leading finally to the Antichrist, who's going to be even a greater guy at first and is going to help them get their temple rebuilt. Um, so, uh, so, so but, but he is going to turn on them. That temple is going to be built. Then he is going to, uh, to, to show his true colors and pr proclaim himself to be God. And then, uh, then, then he's going to turn to the persecutor. The last three and a half years of the tribulation, this is where uh, the, great, the years of the great tribulation, when his true colors are revealed and his... Uh, his persecution is unleashed on the Jews. At the same time, God's judgments are being poured out on the earth. And then ultimately, he's going to be the prisoner. The prisoner. Revelation 19, he is going to be shut up. He is going to be uh, eventually cast into the lake of fire. So um, not everything that be, could be said about the Antichrist today. But uh, hey, I, I want you and encourage you. I want you to study more about the Antichrist between now and next week. But if you're interested in doing that, I could, uh, I could point you to some pretty good sources because if you start typing that in, uh, you're going to find some weirdos. Even weirder than me, amen? All right. Uh, well, hey, the Lord's coming again, folks, and uh, so Lord help us be ready. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, be dismissed. Thank you all for coming tonight. What a joy to see each of you here. And I'm going to ask Ralph if he would to dismiss us in a word of prayer.